Hello and welcome to this episode of Charity Chats. My name is Samuel Davies. I'm your host. In this episode, we spoke to Michael Clark, who is an expert in legacy giving, as well as being a very good chap who I, I very much enjoyed speaking with in a rather busy place. So apologies for any uh, background noise. I think you can make out our interview quite well and importantly, what Michael says. Anyway, I'll stop babbling. Let's listen to my interview with Michael Clark. Here we go. Michael Clark, I've known you for some time and you are, I would say you're an expert on legacy giving. I I don't like the term expert because there is always more to learn. So that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, okay. There's so many conferences for legacy marketing, for legacy admin, for doing the the probate side of administering estates. So I specialise in legacies, but I don't like to say that I am an expert because I am always learning new things and things are always changing. The law's changing, people's attitudes are changing, demographics are changing, all has an effect on on legacy giving so it never stands still so what is legacy giving most people might know what this is but what, what, how would you how would you define legacy giving I, I would define it as um, a way of donating to the charity um, of your choice by including a gift to that charity in your will so that will is um, a promise to give um, that takes effect upon your death. Right, okay. So it's like a, a pledge to that charity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's giving either a fixed sum gift or a share of your estate, whatever that might be, okay. um, after you've made provision for family and friends. And is this something, this this makes up a large part of um, the funds raised for charity every year, doesn't it? Yes. So it's about two and a half billion pounds a year in the UK, wow. which is an awful lot of money. Um, about 6% of wills that go to probate have got a charitable gift, but remember a charity research shows that probably one in three people would be willing to include a gift, so the capacity to increase legacy giving is huge across all charities. But it's something that people don't necessarily think about when they're writing their will. They don't necessarily, you know, people um, traditionally think that if they want to donate to a charity, then they give £10 or they run a jumble sale. Sure. They don't necessarily think about it in that way. But actually, you know, legacy giving is huge and could be larger. And charities are now doing more and more to promote. Yeah. This is an effective way of long-term sustainable income. Do a lot of people have um, wills? I mean, is that is that where it starts? Is it that there are a lot of people out there that don't have a will, or is it just a lot of people haven't thought to include charities in their wills? It, it's a combination of the two. So there is, um, unfortunately, in this country, we are scared to talk about death and money. Yeah. And legacy giving includes elements of both. So we've got too many people dying intestate without having a will. Yeah. And if you die intestate, the law governs who inherits, and that's never a charity. That's right. based on genealogy. Yeah. Um, so that's one issue. And the other issue is people who write wills need to consider or need to be aware of the fact they can 
include gifts to charities. Right, something okay. that people don't necessarily think about. It's quite a natural characteristic to think about looking after your husband or wife and your children, which yeah. is fantastic. And, and all charities would be recommending that you do that. But asking people after they've done that, could they consider leaving a gift to charities normally that they've supported during their lifetime? Yeah. Um, but a lot of people leave gifts to charity when they've never actually supported them during their life. So actually 50% of people across the country who leave gifts are not on that charity's database wow. before they've died. So do we know how, why they are making these donations to charities they've never maybe given even a penny to in the past? Well, why is that? It, it's, I think it's the basis that charities see their supporters as the people who are on their database. Mm. But actually supporters consider themselves a supporter of the charity if they believe in the cause and keep an eye on the work they're doing. That's interesting. But a lot of people, they don't want to go on databases. They, they don't want the direct mail. They don't want the newsletter. Actually, they know what that cause does. Yeah. They know what that charity does in the cause. It's close to their hearts. And, and a lot of people would rather give where it doesn't affect their income during their lifetime. Sure, sure. So they'd rather keep their money and enjoy it during their life and say, actually, I've left money to this charity in my will. They will have, you know, 10% as an example yeah. of whatever's left out of my estate. It means that I can continue to enjoy my life. I'm not, I'm not on the database uh, and I'll choose to support in that way. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we spoke a little while ago to... Um, Mandy Johnson at the Small Charities Coalition and one of the things she mentioned was that large charities are well known and people when they want to make a donation they think of the large charities that everybody knows and uh, I suppose legacy giving might be part of that too and, and from what you're saying if there are people out there who are um, they have an idea about the kind of charity they want to support arguably a lot of those charities be the well-known um, you know, top 10 charities that, that are out there. So how can small charities especially um, try and, um, say, maximise, but that's probably a quite a brutal term for it, how can they uh, make the most of legacy giving for them? Are there things they can do? Well, I, I would say the larger charities that get larger involuntary donations during people's lifetimes will naturally receive larger number of legacy gifts. They've sure. got a larger number of supporters, they're better known. But some of the research done by Remember a Charity shows that some very basic principles, okay, as to why people don't include charitable gifts. And one of the, the absolute basics is because the charities never ask them to. Right, okay. So, you know, again, you, you fall into that situation that um, sometimes people are scared to talk about wills because it's all thinking about death and actually it's not a will, it's a living document that takes effect on death. You, right. If you're dead, you can't write a will. Sure. You have to write it while you're alive. Um, so there's a lot of taboos around it. Yeah. But actually, charity's just doing a kind of drip messaging approach to legacy fundraising in, you know, on their Facebook pages, in their supporter magazines, on their emails, to say, you know, this is another way of supporting us. Um, and that kind of puts in the back of people's minds that the next time that they write a will, which is normally 
after the death of a family member or after marriage or after having children or a change in, in financial circumstances. Yeah. The hope is then that when they go and revise the will, because they've got people to add in or they've got people to take out, that they also remember, ah, oh, that small charity that we, we like and we support, they asked if I'd consider leaving a gift and now actually I'm writing my will, I will. So it's Excuse quite simplistic. Fact. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. That's used too much. Too much. <laughs>
um, which is um, the um, Inheritance Provision for Family Independence Act, 1975. Catchy title. Which is a really catchy <laughs> title, absolutely. And, and that came about because um, those close family members that are defined under that act and, and those financially dependent upon somebody during their lifetime have a right under that act to actually make a claim against the estate that they should be provided for. So um, the best thing for charities to always do is to say to um, their supporters, and when they do legacy marketing, to say, you should write a will, you should protect all of the people that you love, you should make provision for your family and those that you love, and we would be grateful if you would consider after that, after making that provision, yes. including a gift to charity. Right, okay. That's not, you know, charities are not there to say actually disinherit your loved ones in your will and leave your estate to us. Actually, that's not what we want to do at all. There's, you know, there's a lot of myths about that. Um, and estates are, are contested and there's been some quite high profile ones where there was an Isla and Mitson case which you know hit the Supreme Court where um, a lady didn't make provision for her daughter who she'd been estranged from for 30 years. She wrote a statement of wishes and accompanying note to her will and said I've not made provision because we don't get on, I've had nothing to do with her for 30 years um, and she's not being dependent on me during that time and that daughter successfully brought a claim. And you know, one of the key learnings that came out of that was that during the various judgments as it went through the court system, there was an award made which which shook up the, the um, charities involved really because it had been so clearly expressed why the lady didn't want her to inherit. One of the key learnings from that, not, not that it was particularly wrong in that case, is for charities um, to always be able to show where relevant that that person supported during their lifetime and why they'd included those charities. So it's not always possible because half the people who leave gifts haven't supported during their lifetime. But you know, we, we do have to bear in mind that we need to make provision for our close family members and, and we need to bear in mind and it wasn't the case in Isla and Mitzen because the daughter had had nothing to do with her mother for 30 years. But, but we, we almost have, well we do, we have responsibility for those who are financially dependent upon us. And we should be making provision. And people need to think carefully about that, you know, and who is financially dependent because it is wrong to then feasibly die having left a will and that person who has been reliant upon the person who's died for so long financially not to have a provision. But it, it, it has to be said, you know, that there's a lot of media scrutiny, but the majority of wills are not contested. They go through probate. People, they, they think carefully about writing a will. They, they think carefully about who to include and to what proportions. They need to keep considering what their wealth is at the time and how it will change over time. Because as we grow older, we might spend it all in retirement going on saga cruises. Absolutely. Uh, that's, certainly, that's certainly my plan. I, I love ballroom dancing. And you're getting uh, close to that age And now, I, I'm, you, I'm so. growing. I'm, unfortunately, <laughs> legacy giving. I am very fast becoming a very good legacy prospect myself. Have you got a legacy? You don't have to include this, but have you got a legacy? 
Yeah, I, I've, um, I am actually, well, right? yeah. Well, yeah, I actually am different. A lot of, a lot of people write their first will around my age, which is 19. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's 36 next month. Now, I am actually in, I know I don't look it. 36 on Sunday. Are you? Well, a happy birthday well, for Sunday. You, you are, oh, you, you look significantly older. I, I, I know. I'm surprised. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually in the course of writing my fifth will. No way. Because, yeah, you see, for me, I'm not married. I haven't got any children. Yeah. But I have people in the Playboy lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> not for as many hours of the day as I was 10 years ago, but I'm, you know, there's, there's a little bit of life in the old dog yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and But I have people in my life who I love, but. People come and go. Thank you. <laughs> People come and go, and your will needs to reflect that. Yeah. Um, but I, I have left, or I will be including. I, I've currently my current will has three charitable gifts in it for each of the three charities I have and currently work for. My new will will have four charitable gifts in it because since my last will, I have also become a trustee of a children's charity, which I will be including as an addition. I have spent 10 years, over 10 years, in the charitable sector. So the value of my estate is what I would pass as a legacy professional as nominal. <laughs> so I, I'm, you know, whilst it's important to include a gift, and, unless my financial position changes drastically, um, all gifts, of course, are appreciated. Um, but but uh, realistically, I doubt that my estate is six figures, so the charitable gifts aren't. If, if I'm working for a small charity and I've never even investigated legacy giving as one of the things that I want to put time into with my supporters, what are the steps that I should take? Because presumably, as you said, you know, getting getting the word out there and making sure my supporters are aware that's something they can do. It's quite important. Yeah. Getting them to pledge their support, is that something I've, I've seen that with other charities? Is that something that you think could work? So rather than getting somebody to, uh, you know, um, give you money there and then, to at least say, I, I will give you money, and then to kind of update them then between the time they've pledged and the end of their life, is that a kind of a. Well, the, the difficulty is, of course, wills are confidential documents. So charities always like it if a supporter says to them, Yes, I've included you in my will. It, it it allows us to know that you know there's going to be long-term income. Sure. Um, but people predominantly want to keep their wills private and and don't say. Um, thankfully, enough people do so that because what all charities want to do is thank people for including yeah. a gift during their lifetime. Of course. Um, but I mean, I think the steps ultimately are that the charities need to tell supporters that it's a way of supporting them. They need to bring it up at supporter meetings, they need to put it in their newsletters, they need to put it on social media, they need to, it's always nicer to refer to gifts in wills rather than legacies, because legacies is quite a legal, um, archaic term that, that fills people with dread and you know quill pens and all of that. Um, they need to show how easy it is. Um, a lot of Charities can run their own will schemes. Okay. So local charities, if you, if you take hospices and charities where the beneficiary service is local, 
they can ask local solicitors if they'd sign up for like a free will scheme so they could actually offer that out to their supporters to say that this you know as part of corporate social responsibility this this group of solicitors in the area are providing 10 free wills for our supporters um, now you're not allowed to say that you can only use it if you include a gift because the Institute of Fundraising have got very tight regulations around and it, and it wouldn't serve a charity to do that anyway, would no, it? Because no. then you've always got this sense of, you know, you're pushing people into doing something they don't want to do. That's not a good, good As long as you ask people to consider, yeah. it, you know, what charities also do appreciate is each person is an individual. They've got a unique family environment. Yeah. They've got unique wealth. They've got unique uh, people who are financially dependent on them. And they've got unique wishes as to who they want to benefit from their estate anyway. Sure. What about events? I've heard that some charities have had gifts and wills or legacy events where they invite people to an event where they talk about leaving a will and uh, leaving a legacy in a will. um, Is that something that works for charities? I've never worked on that myself. Well, I mean, it does work for some um, charities very, very successfully. There are some charities that have um, a large number of receptions yeah. um, that are well attended. I think the thing to bear in mind is the the ask over will you consider including a gift in your will is very simplistic. So people need to be asked that by the charity and that's nice to do face to face. But what a lot of those receptions, quite rightly, what their content is, is actually something a lot broader. The reason why they call them legacy events is to be very clear to the supporter before they respond to the invite, before they leave home, what messages they're going to hear that day. No charity wants to shock somebody by introducing it when they're not expecting it. But those those kind of legacy events and legacy receptions, you know, different charities operate them in different ways. But traditionally, what you would expect is an overview of the charity. The work that they do, who the beneficiaries are, the impact that they have. You would expect, um, you know, a a nice rich history, details of their future, long-term future plans. All of which you'll be interested in as the supporter because you're supporting them anyway. And then there is an ask to say, actually, would you consider including a gift in your will? This is the difference it could make in the future in addition to the fantastic support you're already providing. Absolutely. I'm sure I've, I've read somewhere, I think it's actually, I think you put me onto him, this American professor. Yeah, Russell James. Russell James. I Professor read, Russell James, Professor I should call Russell him. Yeah. I read him he never of, calls me Mr. Michael Clark, but I, I, I should call him <laughs> Professor Russell James. Yeah. He is plan giving, they call it in America. Oh, yeah. really? So he is an expert. He writes a lot, isn't he? I, he does. I, he, I, he's been in touch. He's my inspiration. Is he? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got some really interesting, uh, interesting views and ideas. And one of the things I think I read was that when you're talking to people about gifts and wills, to, as you said, you know, give them a range of things they can do and couching it within that. So saying, you know, you can, uh, you can, here's this, here's our work, here's what we want to do. You can help us today by setting up a regular gift, considering leaving a gift in your will yeah. and jumping out of a plane, I don't know, um, something like that. So 
is that the kind of thing? Is that is that something you've, you've seen work, or is that what kind of charities or what you're using and how they talk about gifts and wills? Yeah, I mean, to a degree, I think the most successful um, way of showcasing gifts and wills. And this is hard for charities that haven't received any legacies. Yeah. But the most successful way is case studies. Right. Because um, the, generally, the public perception is that it is people who've never married, yeah. people who've no children, people who didn't like other people, sure. who, and people who are rich, yeah. that they are the only people who leave gifts. So actually normalizing it to showcase, you know, a, a great case study it is a grandmother yeah. who's written a will, yeah. has two children, four grandchildren. She's included all of them in her will, but she's also supported a charity during her life and she's made a provision for them as well. Right, okay. Th that is the best kind of case study to just show, actually. Because, you know, everyone has got something to give. Yeah. It's only natural you want to make provision and you, you should make provision for the family. There is a public perception that you're cutting family out if you're including gifts right, to charity, okay. and, and of course that's that's not right. And the, the charities actually want to work closely with the families and say, first of all, thank you very much for your relative who's died and left a gift, yeah. and actually let us show you what it's going to help to achieve. Whether that's sending an impact report or a stewardship programme, taking them around a research centre. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's certainly something I've always tried to work closely with families and say, keep in touch with them after we've received the money. Sure. And say, you know, certainly the, the kind of best practice, as far as I'm concerned, is to write to the, to the family in six months, a year afterwards, and say, this is the work that we've done over the last six months. This is the impact. And this has been possible in part due to your relatives' kind gift in their will. Right, okay. Where can people go to find out more about legacy giving and how to uh, be successful in legacy giving? Um, well, I mean, we're very fortunate in, in the legacy environment that we have a number of, uh, of different organisations that can be of assistance. So there's a number of um, free will providers, so if charities want to get on board with offering their, their supporters free wills, there's a number of different providers. Um, so at Cystic Fibrosis Trust I work closely with Capacity Marketing, which is the National Free Wills Network, uh, which has got a range of independent solicitors over the country. So we are able to provide our supporters during September. Uh, with inquiry generation to get a, a free will in the hope that they consider it including us but without the undue influence that they have to. Is that uh, September because of Remember Charity? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, there is also Remember a Charity. Um, so Remember a Charity is a consortium of around 200 uh, member charities. Wow which aims to do something that no single charity can do on its own, which is to change the public perception of including charitable gifts and getting people to write a will and consider including charitable gifts. And they also do a lot of work, um, it's something that charities often overlook, they do a lot of work with will writers. So solicitors and professional will writers to encourage them to prompt people who go in and write a will to say actually have you considered including a charity in your will yeah. because with the best will in the world there's another great phrase um, 
Charities can do all of this legacy marketing. But actually, when you come to writing the will, sometimes you need that prompt. You know, solicitors aren't there to say who you should leave your estate to. But to actually, for solicitors and, and professional will writers to mention charitable giving is a great thing. And remember, a charity have done a lot of work there in making sure that, you know, uh, charitable prompts are part of the will writing process. So remember a charity's making great strides. Um, there is Legacy Foresight, which is a benchmarking organisation, benchmarking legacy data. So you can compare yourself against other charities that are in a similar field. Um, and, and that's a great um, collaboration. And then there's um, the Institute of Fundraising have a special interest group. I have to mention that I'm on the committee. It's a fantastic group. Uh, four free events a year in Cambridge, in London, sorry. Um, which is great, you know, that they are free of charge. They're sponsored by four different corporate sponsors, but they're free for in memory and legacy fundraisers to attend. So that's brilliant. And then in, in Cambridgeshire, obviously, God's own county where where I live <laughs> I, I together with uh, five or six other people run a group which we call Lime right. which is Legacy and In Memory East where we quarterly provide uh, half day seminars on Legacies and In Memory best practice we have key speakers and um, that's been going very well for the last couple of years so a whole range of information available Lime. And uh, for those listening, we'll have that on the Charity Chat website. Excellent. Thank you. Michael Clark, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. A pleasure. Thank you. So, Michael Clark, experts in legacy giving, and a really nice chap. We had a good laugh there, and it's always good talking with him. He's very knowledgeable. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Hopefully, you got something out of it. You've learned something. I certainly have, but it'd be lovely to hear from you to find out more about what your thoughts are on the episode, but also on our podcast in general, and whether you have any views on things that we can cover in the future, any questions about things we've covered, and uh, any criticisms. We're open to it. Let's start a dialogue and see if we can get things improving. So uh, if you are interested in becoming a contributor, either behind the scenes, helping to produce the show, or working as a, uh, as a contributor on the show, then uh, we'd love to hear from you too. So uh, check out our website, charitychat.org.uk. You can get in touch with us through the website, and also you find our social media presence via the website as well. And um, finally, just to thank our sponsors, which is uh, Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Aximit, for the beautiful website design, check it out, charitychat.org.uk. Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and playing us out shortly. And RR Yard Photography for the beautiful pro bono images that's all over our beautiful website, charitychat.org.uk. Also on the website, you can find lots of links, source links and materials that you'll find interesting. But for now, that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Cheerio.